We move on now to talking about our trending topics in terms of what's happened in the last 24 hours on social media. Atlehang Mulefe is joining us, our social commentator. How are you today, Atlehang? Hello, Aswanda. I'm well, thanks. And how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for waking up and chatting to us. No problem. Thank you so much for yet another invite to the show. All right. Uh, hashtag Black Coffee. That's what we're talking about first. And this is uh, around gender-based violence. And we saw uh, supporters of gender-based, and I mean, those who stand against gender-based violence, gathered outside the Randberg Magistrates Court in support of actress Entle Mbalim Lochwa, who filed for a protection order against her estranged husband, who is uh, DJ Black Coffee. Um, I think it's very important for um, Mbali to break the silence because she spoke about how Black Coffee assaulted her and this is why she had to put a restraining order um, against him. And gender-based violence still remains one of the most violent things that a lot of Black women in South Africa face. And with regards to gender-based violence, there isn't necessarily any mechanism to hold people accountable because even when Black Coffee went on Twitter to try and defend himself, it also just shows that many other popular people and especially prominent people always try to defend themselves, especially men, um, when women break the silence and speak about the gender-based violence or the violence that they have experienced in the hands of men. So I think this is also very important, especially in her position, using her own um, platform and using her own position to speak out against gender-based violence and try to get like some sort of recourse because we know that the justice system is not always um, in favor of the victims and in trying to make sure that the perpetrators are held to account for the things that they do. So I do think that the protest and support for Entle has really shown that as South Africans, and especially as women, we're always going to protest and we're always going to speak out against gender-based violence. And it's also a way of encouraging other women to stand up for themselves and also to speak out against gender-based violence. So I do think that it's very important to understand that with the justice system failing women, mm. it still doesn't take away from the fact that gender-based violence, it is a very serious issue in South Africa. And the economics that fail women as well, because this assault happened allegedly at her 33rd birthday dinner at their home. The fact that they're still sharing a home is is a problem. It really is a problem because it means that you're always going to be in the same space with someone who... um, is a potential harm to you. So you're not always going to be safe. Mm. That sense of security is always taken away from you. And this is what happens to a lot of um, women in South Africa. The fact that they can't escape the reality that the person who's constantly assaulting you, the person who's constantly inflicting pain on you has to be in the same space as you. So I think it's very sad to think about it because even when she she spoke up up firstly about... um, when they had the issue of maintenance and when um, she was asking Black Coffin, like gave him all the things that he needed to do, people were in defense of Black Coffin saying that that's very unfair. Um, you, You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be placing the burden on him. So this is also goes out to show that as a woman, especially living in South Africa, you're not always going to be considered and your story is just going to be one of those stories without any sort of record actually taking place to ensure that we're able to create safety homes for these women and that they're able to be protected from any kind of violence. So what happened exactly? So he got to, do we know, he got to the house, it was her birthday dinner, and then what happened? Um, So he assaulted her. And um, with regards to uh, that assaulting happened, uh, even Bali's family also are said to the fact that she's always suffering from like 
a, you know, tra- that traumatic experience is, is, is a constant reminder. So I think from reading those articles and also just engaging with the content, you can tell that this assault was perhaps not the first encounter. This is something that has always been happening, but it's just that um, she wasn't really speaking up, again, uh, uh, speaking up about it. So it's also to understand that with her traumatic, traumatic experience, that's like something that happens to a lot of women, that they have to come to terms with their own trauma and that they can't escape the trauma. And if the person is constantly in your space, then it makes it even more difficult than for you to even exist and to be free as an individual. And to even think that on her own birthday, someone can just get into the house and assault her, it also goes out to show that um, it's something that happens. And because he isn't held to account for those things, he's consistently doing it and he's consistently going to do it because there isn't any sort of justice for South African women or anyone who's a victim of gender-based violence, a survivor of gender-based violence. What did DJ Black Coffee actually say in his defense when he tweeted? In his defense, he was talking about how he comes from a household where gender-based violence uh, was happening and he wouldn't necessarily harm a woman and that um, this is something that he didn't do and he doesn't like the fact that they are defaming his character and especially Mbali and is defaming his character and this isn't something that he can do. And I think that this is what most men do when they go to social media to try and defend themselves for when a woman speak up against gender-based violence because we've seen it happen with many other prominent DJs who have done it recently that they went on social media and tried to defend themselves. And the unfortunate part about it is that even when they get to social media, they're given the pedestal to speak up and to also raise their concerns. And you see everyone suddenly shifting to the side of the perpetrator because the perpetrator is someone that they love. And this is also very problematic because it goes out to show that the victim or the survivor of gender-based violence can can never speak up against it without people questioning the credibility of what they're really saying or the information of what they're saying. Yeah, well, let's move on talking about uh, hashtag justice for Lufuno. Also, another not so positive. St- it's actually very, uh, like, it's horrific to me. It's so sad. This grade 10 Limpopo schoolgirl who overdosed on prescription pills uh, and died by suicide on Monday after she was violently beaten by a fellow pupil at the Mbilwi Secondary School. So it was a case of bullying that happened there. And we, there was a video doing the rounds where you can see, you know, this child being beaten, uh, you know, repeatedly slapped. Uh, on her, you know, face and whatever, slept on her body while other schoolgirls were cheering on. This is just shocking. It's really sad. Um, I think that bullying is a really uh, a huge concern, especially in high schools or in schools in general. And it hasn't been something that is addressed effectively um, just to make sure that we're able to prevent bullying from ha- from happening. Because it, uh, it does, um, Lufuno's dad does mention that this was raised before in the house and he really did try to reach out to the school's principal and and speak about it but nothing was done about it so it really just goes out to show that bullying isn't taken as a very something that's very important because those insecurities when they're enhanced by your own peers or when your peers are constantly telling you about your insecurities or you're constantly being bullied then you start feeling unwanted and this is why in most instances people 
who suffer from bullying end up killing themselves because there isn't any sort of security for them. They, they don't have any sense of belonging. And especially in school where you spend most of your time, I do think that um, there really needs to be an important conversation about bullying that happens in high schools and how to effectively tackle bullying that happens just so we're able to create that sense of security and make sure that everyone is protected and that everyone isn't, isn't bullied. And I don't like the fact that the only time that we effectively speak about it is when we've lost up someone. Mm. And it's not nice because it goes out to show that these are some of the things that can be mitigated even before they happen. So if we're able to actively fight bullying and we're able to have conversations about it, especially in schools, then we're able to tackle bullying without necessarily having to talk about it when someone has lost their life. You know, as a parent to teenagers, my heart goes out to this girl's uh, parents because... Uh, when you think of the story or you read the story, the child comes home from school. He, you know, she says that, you know, what happened happened. And then she goes and locks herself in the in the bedroom. Mm. This is what teenagers mm. do. And, and as a parent, sometimes you think, oh, she's just being a teen. She's going to mm. sit by herself. Let me give her some space. And you don't actually know that that time you're giving the child space is the time that you need to be knocking on the door and getting in that room. You, mm. you know, you, you just don't know. My heart just goes out to her parents because... As a parent, I can only imagine what they must be feeling mm. and going through. So do you think then, because in our poll we were asking uh, if the Department of Education should enforce a policy to combat violence in public schools, do you think that could help? Um, I think that could that could potentially help um, because even with the conversation, and I remember even when I was in high school, uh, bullying has always been there. And the only thing that they say is that you need to stop bullying. Or when a parent tries to bring it to the table, like the attention of the teachers and the principal, that this is what my child has been encountering, um, the school will just have a two-minute conversation about it and then it's done. So I think when the Department of Education can, like, you know, reinforce that and they can say that uh, the kids who are bullying other kids should be held to account and that there should be a matrix of how to hold them to account as well, that could potentially help. Instead of just saying that we're going to have a conversation about it, and I also do think that monthly campaigns about bullying or, like, weekly campaigns or daily campaigns about bullying in um public schools could potentially help because I do think that even the platform itself or giving kids the platform to speak out against bullying is that you feel threatened as a person and you're also trying to protect yourself. So it's often hard for you to speak up against like bullying. But I also do think that Lufuno has been speaking out against bullying. It's just that um, she was neglected and no one was, was necessarily taking necessary measures to ensure that she was protected and that the bullying stopped. So I do think that the Department of Education definitely needs to attend to this and put measures in place to hold those kids to account or to put ways in which we can combat that sort of violence in in public schools um, specifically. Mm. NAPTOSA's Executive Director, Basil Manuel, NAPTOSA, the body that uh, oversees the education and, and, that, and, and advocates for issues around that, saying that uh, we need specialized services such as counselors and psychologists to be placed in schools so that, you know, as you say, I mean, some kids do speak out, but then the support they don't get, that also is quite necessary, hey? Yes, it is. It is important because when you think about it in public schools, um, there isn't any access to uh, maybe a therapist or a psychologist, which means that even in that space that you spend um, a lot of time in, a space that is meant to be a sense of security, if that security is taken away, there isn't anyone to talk to about it. So I do think that it's very important then to try and 
um, reinforce the idea, especially to the Department of Education, to have psychologists in public schools, so that if the child isn't able to get the assistance or the help that they need at home, then they can always go to school and ask for assistance in, in that particular space. So I do think that that would really, really be important because lack of access to those measures like therapists or psychologists essentially mean that if you don't have anyone to reach out to, then you don't have anyone at all which means that we're not necessarily helping these kids and we're just being more academic-related instead of also trying to ensure that their mental health is also taken into consideration. Because you can only imagine that being in high school, the conversation around mental health isn't something that's also as important or something that's not as prominent or something that they don't talk about a lot, which means that at that point when you don't understand anything, you can't even seek the sort of assistance that you need for yourself. So we really do need to have psychologists or therapists in public schools. Okay, we need to take a break and then we'll uh, discuss the uh, two remaining topics. So hashtag justice for Lufuno there. Uh, we'll end it there. Uh, talking to Atlehang Mulefe, social commentator here on Sound Awake. 20 minutes past four. Asanda Beta on SAFM. Talking trending topics, uh, what's happened in social media in the last 24 hours with Adlehang Mulefe, our social commentator. Let's talk about hashtag Duante right now, um, Adlehang. And Trevor Noah weighing in on this policing problem in America where a gun was mistook for a taser and this 20-year-old ended up being fatally shot. Um, the racial profiling that is happening in the United States of America is really sad because even the kind of policing is one that is aimed at attacking black people. And it's, a, it's something that is constantly happening, which means that there isn't any effective measures put in place to ensure that this is something that we can stop. Because this 20-year-old was actually unarmed, and they assumed, they always saying that we assumed that this person was a potential harm, we assumed that this person was a potential harm, on the basis of the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. So every time when a black man is walking around and they are unarmed, the police sees as a space to attack that particular person, even when they can see that the person is not retaliating, the person is not fighting back, the person is essentially fighting for their lives and saying that they don't have anything and that they can't and, and that they should uh, not necessarily be harmed. So I do think that Trevor Noah also speaking about it, that the policing progr- uh, a problem in America is one that um, assumes that as a black person, then you are a potential danger to society. So even in instances where the policing that happens in predominantly black neighborhoods in, in the United States of America is one where they are not policing because they are trying to protect the people or they're trying to protect the black people in that surrounding, but they're policing because they're tr- trying to look for just one particular person who's going to be the next victim. So I do think that it's very important for them to really do have a conversation and to really do try and enforce the, 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 the policing system in America to ensure that the racial profiling really stops because it can't be that every single month, every single day, we're crying over a black person who has lost their lives due to uh, police violence or who has lost their lives due to police brutality happening in the United States of America. And how many more other people that we have we don't really know about who have lost their lives to in the hands exactly. of police officers in, in the United States of America because the story wasn't covered or because someone didn't see it or because someone didn't have the platform to essentially talk about it. So it's really, really a huge problem. And um, just racial profiling and just seeing black people lose their lives and just seeing black people not being protected. It's really sad to watch what is happening in the United States of America. 
Absolutely, Said, and unacceptable. We haven't even concluded the George Floyd uh, court case, and here's another mm. issue coming up. The unrest then that was triggered as a result in Minnesota, uh, you know, it, it's also becoming a bit violent and all of that. Are we mm. seeing that now the unrests are becoming even more and more violent because people just can no longer take this? Mm. Um, because usually people say that the response to violence is not violence, but I think in this situation, and because with like movements like Black Lives Matter, who are constantly holding conversations, who are constantly fighting for the lives of black people. And I do understand that the violence comes from anger and the fact that as your own identity as a black person, you're constantly uncomfortable because you are in a society where you feel unaccepted and you are in a society where you can lose your life at any time, which means that it's a ticking bomb because um, you don't know when it is going to be your time or when it is going to happen to you. And you're always um, just in fear of living in that particular society. So I think that if your security is threatened as a person, then resorting to violence as a way to protect yourself and as a way to protect the black humanity seems to be the only acceptable, seems to be the only uh, potential thing that they can do for themselves. So I do understand that people saying that a response to violence shouldn't be violence, but I think in this situation where it's something that's occurring, then responding to violence could potentially be the only solution that they have. Okay, let's wrap it up with hashtag NetBankMustPay. We can just touch briefly on this social media uh, campaign to hold the bank uh, accountable for stalled insurance payout for a client after a natural disaster destroys business. So this is something that we speak of sometimes that, you know, you pay insurance all for so many years, Mm -hmm. then when it's time for the insurance to step up uh, and, and help you out, it's an issue for payout. It's really sad to watch because insurance, um, people, uh, it happens a lot to a lot of people because they pay monthly premiums and you find that the person is paying a lot of money every month so that they can be protected should anything happen to them and especially should anything happen to their property. But when insurance companies have to pay out, then it's always a lengthy process and sometimes they don't even pay out. They're always saying that they're running investigations and the investigations take longer, which means that even as a person, you lose out on business because then um, after that uh, incident happened, then there isn't any way that you can be able to run your business because you don't have money and you have been paying insurance. So I do think that it's important to hold banks accountable. And, I, I, and the metrics for holding banks accountable isn't the one that we have currently isn't as effective because it's a huge financial institution and holding them to account doesn't really happen. And the only thing that happens is, is people talking about it and people trying to like talk about their own reviews about insurance and how they weren't necessarily assisted. But there isn't any sort of recourse that happens afterwards. But I do hope that in this situation, eventually that net bank pays out because if a person has lost out in their business because of uh, the flash floods, then it essentially means that they can't even have eat money to continue running their own business, which means they further on get to lose out on that. So holding banks accountable, it's something that's important. And insurance companies also need to be held accountable, especially as financial institutions that are meant to protect individuals when they are in a position where they can't put out, when they don't have money to actually assist themselves when something like this happens. Absolutely. And I mean, coming from one disaster of COVID-19 into this, you can only imagine mm. the stress. Let's leave it there. Thanks so much, Adlerang. And do enjoy your day. Thank you so much. Atlerang Mulefe, a social commentator, wrapping up uh, trending topics, what's happened in social media in the last 24 hours.